I'm having a very tough time at home. My father doesn't understand me, and Phyllis hates me. Sounds tough, all right. That's why I have to lie sometimes. You won't tell on me, will you? I have to think it over. Nino's not what my father says at all. He's just had bad luck. Then he lost his job for talking back. So hot-headed. Comes expensive, doesn't it? Yes, my father thinks nobody's good enough for his daughter. And that's from Double Indemnity. And are you in a situation, maybe in your own family, where you just feel like you have to lie and you hate it? You feel like you've betrayed yourself and yet to tell the truth, the people in your family are so irrational that they will turn the truth against you. They will they they will make it much more difficult for you. So if you want some pleasure in life, and I mean rational pleasures, I don't mean the gambling and the drinking and the drugging and the rest, but you have to lie. And is there such a thing as a moral lie where you're lying not to hurt anyone else, but to preserve your values? And the two examples that I learned this on, that there is such a thing as a moral lie. It doesn't, certainly doesn't give you a blank check to lie. But the two examples are, well, what happens if uh, during Nazi Germany, a Nazi comes to your door and says, do you have anybody Jewish in the house? The moral thing to do then is not to tell the truth and say, yes, I'm hiding some of my best friends here. You need to be able to say, no, I hate Jews or whatever you need to say to protect your best friends who happen to be Jewish. So that would be a moral lie. It would be immoral in that situation to tell the truth because the Nazis would be using your virtue as a weapon against you. They would be using your honesty as a means to get to destroy your loved ones and they don't have any right to those people. The same as if a child molester came to your door and said, do you have any children here? And let's say you have some young children. You don't say, oh yes, there are three darling ones down the hall. Instead, you need to say, no, I don't like children. Get the guy out of there, then call 911-ASAP. So you don't want someone to use your integrity, your honesty as a weapon against you. But again, that doesn't give you a moral blank check to lie. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenny. You're listening to The Rational Basis of Happiness. And I want to credit those examples to Dr. Leonard Peikoff, who is and was one of my uh, best teachers ever in life. And right now we're going to turn to the phones and welcome Elaine. Elaine, you're having difficulty looking for a new career? Um, actually, I had a career, and uh, I went through a period of depression and relapsed. And I'm trying to get my career back after um, going into therapy, uh, group therapy, and being clean for a year. I just don't know how to get started. I'm feeling um, unsure. Okay. How old are you? I'm over 50. Over 50. Okay. Are you so much over 50 that that's a factor in getting a new career? I'm sorry? Are you so much over 50? Are you 80 or something where it's a factor in getting a new career? Uh, I don't think so. I'm 54, about to be 54. Okay. So you're 54. So you're still still young (laughs) in my (laughs) book. Um, Can you move on in life? When you say you're clean, was it drugs or alcohol or what? Well, I tested positive for... Uh, drugs. I I started uh, drinking because I was very depressed and unhappy in my last job. But um, uh, I've re sort of trained myself. I'm back in school full time. What are you I'm taking? Still, still feeling hesitant about applying for a job uh, because of the termination. Oh, they terminated you because of the drugs and the yes. drinking, because of the positive Even test. Even though I was in EAP, yes. 
Okay, you were in the AP, what is AP? EAP, Employee Assistance Program. Yeah, they terminated you because you were not functioning on the job, you were well, depressed, you I didn't like positive. it? Because I mean, you tested positive. But is it also true, if a person who doesn't like a job typically doesn't work at top capacity, is that true? Well, uh, according to my evaluations, I was above satisfactory, it's just that... Um, I went through an episode of depression. Okay, now I'm curious. What did you? What What, what was your job? Um, I was an administrator. Uh, unfortunately, I was an administrator in a law enforcement agency. So that was law enforcement. Uh, in an agency related to that, I was not uh, a law enforcement officer. Okay, but it, but it was significant. You can't be messing around with drugs and alcohol. Well, yes, I was writing policies. You were writing policies, so um, so you're you're saying that now that you have this history, it's like a shadow that's following you. So if you go to apply for a new job at the age of fifty-four, you're in school now. That's fine, but to apply for a new job, you'll have lots of splaining to do, exactly. right? So uh, what what type of a job are you looking for? Well, um, something that. Uh, I would imagine would be well, well. I'll tell you what my skills are. I'm a great writer. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm very personable. Um, this this job that I had was totally outside of my interest. Um, but in government, they sometimes transfer you mm-hmm. without your having anything to say about it. Yeah. And I was transferred to a law enforcement agency, and that's what really sort of pulled the depression, which led to my my relapse, I think. Yeah. So instead of getting out of that job or switching exactly. at that point, I, you decided I was to self-destruct. All over, but, you, you're uh, you're totally clean for one year. Yes. Well, kudos to you because that's excellent. Um, and you're one, wondering how to explain how to get on with your life. Exactly. Um, one of the things I'm going to recommend, even though you've been uh, clean for a year, you were drinking and drugging. I would recommend getting the book Sober for Good. Sober for good. Yeah, I like the last two words, for good. I hear you. Because you want to be able to maintain it. And what I like is the author, Ann Fletcher, it's at my website, drkenner.com, D-R-K-E-N-N-E-R.com. Um, so you can go there and find the author and the rest. Um, but what I like about it is they're very she the author interviewed 222 people who had become sober for good. You know, had had like a decade or more of sobriety. I think it ranged from five years to 13 years. Uh, but they they were they had had very serious drinking or drugging problems. And you want to see examples of people getting on with their life because I think that will give you an I can do it spirit. And part part of the battle that you're fighting is your own attitude towards moving forward. Then you need to be able to take risks. There, You're going to have doors slammed in your face. And, but you need to be able to weather those storms and not give up. Meaning there are some jobs that you might apply for that a person would, you know, someone would say no to you. That's their right to say no. But if you apply for enough different jobs in your area of interest, what else could happen? I may get hired. Yeah, someone may say, oh, my God, you know, I w- I'm sober, too. I went through the same process, and, you know, I'm not going to hold that against you. Come on in. You are personable. You are a great writer. I would, you know, I love what you've shown me so far, your resume or whatever you're showing the person. You're, uh, um, so I would, I would definitely pursue that. So I would, you're in group therapy at this point? Uh, yes, 
and you know, I want to continue on, on in some type of individual therapy. Okay, well, I think y you could certainly do that. What I would recommend, um, because we're right at the end of time here, Elaine, is that you you definitely look for some career jobs. Don't make the mistake for, that you made last time in staying in a job that's bad. The minute you feel the urge to drink or to do drugs again, I'm sure you've learned this, Think of think of looking for a new job even harder or switching careers uh, because you definitely want a career that brings you a lot of satisfaction. Listen, thank you so much for the call. And you can go to my website again, drkenner.com. I'm there. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Elaine. I'm Dr. Ellen Kenner. You're listening to The Rational Basis of Happiness. I'm a clinical psychologist here to take your calls on any concerns, any questions you would ask a counselor or a therapist. You know what? I gotta call her. No, wait, no. I'm calling her. No, wait. I shouldn't call her, but I want to. Here's an excerpt from The Selfish Path to Romance by Drs. Kenner and Locke. One pitfall to nurturing your sensual attraction to your partner is the view that ideal romantic love is separated from the physical, the idea that true love is unsullied, in quotes, by sex. This error usually goes by the name platonic love. In this view, the body is low and corrupt, Thus, the highest form of romantic love is purely spiritual, something floating and ethereal. Platonic love, however, is not romantic love. In a truly romantic relationship, you feel sexual desire and you want sexual fulfillment. The platonic notion of love allows you to feel admiration, but damns you for having a, in quotes, degrading sexual response. This view makes you feel ashamed of sexual feelings. This notion of platonic love destroys romantic love. Download Chapter 1 for free at drkenner.com and at amazon.com.